Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Before we get started, have you ever wondered what it would be like to work with a coach on a one-to-one basis? As a master NLP business coach, I work with a variety of people, helping them to articulate and achieve their goals. Research shows that working with a coach is one of the most effective ways to improve your performance at work. Interested? Then why not book in a chat with me using the Calendly link in the show notes. Together, we will dive deep and climb high. Today, we're going to be diving deep into the world of health, safety and compliance. My guest has a pretty unique set of skills. During the day, she works as a risk and compliance manager at the University of Arts London, as well as having her own coaching practice. She's trained in neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, one of my favourites, solution-based coaching, business coaching and hypnotherapy. In the time that we've known each other, we have had many a conversation putting the world to rights. And quite honestly, for reasons that will quickly become apparent, I could listen to her for hours and hours. Please welcome to the show, Renee Rajkuma. Hi, Renee. Hi, Mel. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. You're very welcome indeed. I can't wait to start this conversation and let the listeners experience what I experience every time we chat. So I guess the best place to start is to understand how on earth did you end up in the field of health and safety, but at the same time having your own coaching practice, which are to me quite different and unique skills. Now, it started off, I would say, in a very ad hoc manner. You know, ever since I was a a young child, I had this need and desire to help people. So I went into health and safety as a by the way sort of thing, because I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life. But what I was sure about was that I felt that there was a need to make sure that people were safe whilst they were at work. And I figured maybe this is, this is what I need to do because at one point in my life, I considered psychology, just generally finding a way to help people. I left Trinidad in 2006 and decided, well, you know what, I'm going to get into health and safety and pursued it a bit more. And I had my first job at a university in, in London and I worked there for 13 years and then ended up at uh, University of the Arts London as a fire and risk and compliance manager eventually. So it was a journey, but a very interesting journey that has led me to lots of different learnings, but it allowed me to use various 
skills and attributes that I believe that I had. But it was in 2020, I believe, when we went into lockdown, I decided to launch my coaching business because, again, as I said, I always had this desire to help people. And I figured this lockdown is going to see me get better and do more with my life. I wanted to make sure that I was in a better position. So it was the ideal time to, to launch my business. So now I have portal coaching and I have clients around the world. And the interesting thing about the coaching is that it works hand in hand with health and safety and risk and compliance because there are things that you, you could use from either side. So I use my coaching in health and safety and how I communicate health and safety and risk and compliance. But I also use the principles of risk assessment in coaching. And that might sound a bit weird, but it really works very well together. And I'm, I'm totally enjoying it. So that's where I am at the minute. Fantastic. I love that. And I would love to understand in what way do you use those coaching methods in, in the role that you have? I believe that it's best to help people understand what they need and what the best solutions are for them. So my approach generally is really speaking to people and getting them to understand what they need. And in, in that way, me understanding what it is they need. So I tend to ask a lot of questions. And in asking questions, they themselves are able to refine what the solutions are for them. So it's really, I think, one of the best ways actually to even get buy into health and safety and risk and compliance, because by asking questions, you engage people and people get the sense that you're interested and you're not just trying to um, dictate or just tell them what to do. You're trying to understand. And what I find really interesting, Mel, is that I have had people come to me asking me for solutions or proposing ways of, of working. And then by asking the right questions, they realize, hang on, actually, this is not quite what I need. I could do this quite differently, or I don't even need to do that to start with. But it's being open. And that's one of the key skills in coaching, that you are open and you ask the right questions. And generally, I find that I have people coming to me quite often because not only would I help them with what they're trying to achieve, but give them ideas about other things that they, they're working on. So it's good. I find it very, a very successful approach to, to health and safety and risk and compliance and generally to life. Asking questions is the best way to find all things, right? I totally agree with that. And if I think back when I was managing a large team and the bigger and bigger team and the more complex my role came, the more and more there was involvement for health and safety. And I think it can often feel that everything is being done to you. So this is a requirement. You have to do it. And that's where you lose a, a sense of control. And that's where then I think the tensions build up. But actually what you're saying is by asking questions, by, I guess, the people that you're working with finding their own solutions or recognising that there is an issue that needs to be addressed, then you have that buy-in and there is no longer that sort of rubbing up of, well, I'm telling you, you need to do this. And with that, if we look at the principles of, of risk assessment and you look at how a risk assessment is, is to be done, you need to get people involved. You need to get people involved in the conversation but on the flip side, what I love doing is applying my health and safety and my fire training and risk training 
to my coaching. So I have people in coaching and I'll be asking them, well, tell me how are you going to eliminate hierarchical control, substitute, you know, and even that is sort of a unique way of coaching, applying the principles of risk assessment and risk management to coaching. So it is brilliant. I love the diversity of my background because what I didn't mention at the start is that I started off in quality assurance, quality control. And quality assurance at that time, they had this brilliant idea where they stopped really speaking of quality control and referred to more of quality assurance, which meant that we were doing checks along the way to prevent things from going wrong as opposed to finding out at the end what has gone wrong and reworking. And so I apply that principle to my coaching. You know, where can we check? Where can we check to make sure that things are going okay? And these are your boundaries. So it's, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful, the, the, the synergies, the, the parallels and everything just coming together. I love that. I love that. So I'm guessing in, in the work that you did prior to, to coming to the UK and since you've been in the UK, you have worked with lots and lots of different leaders, managers, supervisors. What does leadership mean to you? I can answer that with a song. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I was thinking about this. You know, I really believe that leadership is something that leaves people in a better in a better position. You know that song, I am strong when I am on your shoulder. Yeah. You raise me up more than I can be it's just that leadership leaves us in a better position and with that my opinion is and it's a very strong opinion I have to say you cannot lead without love you cannot lead without commitment you cannot lead without wanting to take care of people those are the the key things to, to leadership when I look back at some of the the most influential leaders that I know, ironically or interestingly, they're not necessarily in the workplace. They're outside of the workplace. And I think even that is important, sometimes where we look for a reference of leadership. When I think about leadership, I think about consistency. I think about if somebody asks about Rene that my Family says the same thing about me, same good things that my friends say the same good things about me, my colleagues, strangers. There are no different personalities coming into work or going home. Everybody is getting the love from Rennie and the kindness and the commitment from Rennie. And I think that is important. I know a lot of leaders that they think it is important to be a certain way with a certain group. But for me, I think the true quality of a, a leader, a strong, effective leader, is consistently managing with love and leaving people in a better state. Always, always leading people in a better state. And I think an indicator of that is when they're not around, people want them to be around. People actually miss them. But in their absence, they could still function and function well. And they leave them with the confidence to do things on their behalf and to use their initiatives. That for me is, is leadership. Okay. And so 
tell us a little bit more about that statement about you cannot lead without love. What do you mean by that word love in that statement? That is deep, isn't it? What I mean by that, you must have love for yourself because I, I believe, again, if you are to lead people, you must be able to lead yourself. In order to lead yourself, you have to love yourself enough to work on yourself and almost perfect yourself. We're continuously growing, but to understand that there are areas that we always need to be working on and be very reflective. So for me, that's the love of yourself and taking care of yourself. And an example of that, again, you know, if I think about my parents and my father, which I think, you know, they were a, a great leaders, they always took care of us, but they took care of themselves. And that is important because you have to have the substance to, to lead. You have to have the strength to lead. You have to have the resilience to lead. And that love for yourself allows you to understand and to recognize that, listen, you need to take care of yourself also. But going beyond yourself, love for people. There's no way you could improve a place or deliver on what you're meant to be delivering on. If you don't love people, if you don't engage with people, if people don't feel needed, if people don't feel appreciated, that is the love that I'm, I'm talking about. So you could influence how effective you are in organizations by influencing people. And you influence people by making them feel loved and appreciated. For me, it's basic. <laughs> but these are the things that they don't necessarily teach you in leadership courses or management courses. They don't talk about love because it's kind of like, you know, this is not really a topic for the workplace, but actually it is. When we think about health and safety, Health and safety is taking care of people, preventing them from being harmed. Is that not a form of love? <laughs> Why can't we just say it? <laughs> Why can't we just say it, you know? And keeping that to the forefront of your mind, I think is important as, as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So in your role, I'm guessing that sometimes wouldn't appear that you're the person who is giving out love because ultimately you have to make sure that people are, are, are safe and well. So how, how do you deal with that aspect of your role? For me, Mel, is no different from dealing with my child. When you have to correct or advise or discipline your child, you do so with great care you give the reasons and you do it respectfully. And it's a matter of timing also, isn't it? It's timing. I'm not going to embarrass somebody. I'm not going to raise my voice at somebody in a group or in a, a meeting. But what I think is really important, and this is what I have done all of my life, is to build rapport and build relationships in advance. So if there is the need to correct someone or to pull up on someone they understand that I'm doing it because there is need to do it and not because I'm just being difficult because I've shown you all before that that I'm reasonable so I, I build relationships so that the first time I'm talking to you I'm not telling you off because me myself I get pretty upset if you know the first time I have an encounter at you you're telling me off right? yeah so it's important to 
to build relationships so people understand you and they understand why it is you telling them what, what you're telling them. And I always say to people, look, this is actually to either keep you out of jail or keep you safe or save you the embarrassment. And usually they're, they're quite receptive. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your coaching practice and what you're hoping to achieve with that. The answer is limitless. My coaching is really just an extension of what I've been doing all of my life, but now with some formal training and understanding of what I'm actually doing. So it is a, it's a bit more structured with some background, but I just want to see people happy and I want to see people fulfilling all of their dreams and aspirations and actually aiming for, for higher. I want to see people just liberated and my portal coaching you know that's one of the things I say on there that people should be liberated more clients that I speak to have picked up limiting beliefs at a very young age and some of the behaviors that I'm seeing even in managers and leaders I could spot it as limiting beliefs that they've picked up from a young age and having all these insecurities which affects how they interact with their staff and with people because they have all this stuff going on inside in the, in the background. And so my aim is to reach as many people as possible and to impact as many lives as possible so that people could do more for themselves, but also are more interested in them doing more for others because that's what we're here for. You know, we're really here to help others and, and make people's lives easier this is you know we're in a community and that's what it is is about so helping as many people as possible to help others that is my that is my aim so I'm very maybe selective is not the word but I gravitate to people who I see have a big heart wanting to do things to help others I'm drawn to like that type of person you know so with my, my coaching, even now, I'm, having, I'm getting more opportunities to, to speak in different fora. So I expect it to be limitless and far-reaching. <laughs> that's, that's my ambition. I love it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So I suppose taking you from that world you're in and stepping into mine for a little bit, when in your life have you had to dive deep and what impact did that have what did you learn from that experience I think it might have been very early in my um my working life when I was doing my dissertation and the topic that I had chosen I needed input from the organization that I was working at and so I needed to to speak to the production director about my topic and I remember having a conversation with her and she basically told me no but the way she said no to me was Renee you're never going to make it you want me to tell people that you know we, we, we're causing them to get cancer and I thought this is not what I am saying you totally misunderstood everything that I am doing but I remember Mel feeling so so gutted by one that she misunderstood but secondly the, the way she spoke to me it was not just about my dissertation topic 
she put me right down that I would shoot myself in the foot before I started. And I had to, to take that and quickly get over and change my topic to be able to deliver um, my dissertation for my BSc. But interestingly, there was a topic in my BSc called the Reflective Practitioner, my BSc in Occupational Health and Safety. And the exercise in that module was to think about something that happened to you in your life, whether it's personal and professional, and reflect on it to see what went wrong, what could have been done differently, what was your contribution, what was the other person's contribution, you know. So I had to dive deep. I had to, to think about it. And, you know, all the years that I was really upset by it, I thought when I, when I did this exercise, I thought, actually, you know, I could see where she was coming from. It was misunderstanding, but now I understand. And because of that module, I think very early on in my life, I went into the mode of diving deep every day, if that makes sense. So I've come to the conclusion that I am going to be wise. I'm going to apply my risk assessment approach, which is foreseeable. I'm going to spend more time trying to figure out what, what might be my obstacles and approach it like that. So I'm going to live in insight and foresight as opposed to hindsight. This is what that experience has, has taught me. So even from that, I got something good. So I am constantly reflective. And again, if we go back to risk assessment and, and compliance, is always continuous improvement, isn't it? There's always this need to look to see if your controls are working and constantly reassess. So I don't wait for long periods to pass. This is a daily thing. My deep dive is daily. And it saves me a lot of headache, I could say. It saves me a lot of headache. So that was my deep dive experience. And from that too, Mel, what I realized that was important, it really doesn't matter what somebody says to you is what you believe. So when she said to me, you know, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot before you start, you're not going to make it. You know what I said in my mind, Mel? I said, I might not make it here, but I'll certainly make it somewhere else. <laughs> And with that, I was, I was gone and I was out to the UK. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> so fantastic. So I'm just going to repeat that. It's not what you hear. It's what you believe. Yes. It's not what people say to you. It's what you believe. That's a really good mandate to live by, isn't it? And encourage that in others as well. Yeah. Because I guess that goes back to that, that self-care piece, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, staying true to your beliefs, because sometimes in the workplace, you can get managers and leaders that lead with love. But on occasion, you can get ones that that don't as well. Yeah. Very powerful. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we've dived deep. We now, of course, have to think about a time when you were a fish that climbed a tree. That is such an interesting term, is such an interesting phrase. A fish that climbs trees, because I know this is your piece. When was I a fish that I had to climb a tree? Um, people probably always look at me as a fish because <laughs> there's some folks who would see you and, and automatically sort of box you in. And I guess 
I never related to being a fish with limits. <laughs> Does that make sense now? Yeah. So if I ever were a fish, it would be a shark. It would be something <laughs> that would devour my path. It would be something that would bring me to the top because I believe I have, I have a way that once there's an obstacle in front of me, I am determined to, to get over that. So even, even in situations, you know, in, in the UK and, in, and with the, the um, example I just raised with you, this is people kind of seeing you as a fish and trying to judge you, thinking, well, you could only do so much. You'd only be able to do so much. Or I will judge you based on these criteria. And I just never allowed myself to be, to be boxed in. I love that. And I love that analogy because most people would go, a shark? A shark? Surely not. But actually, when you give the explanation, it's incredibly powerful. So thank you. You're welcome. That is the purpose of that weird and wonderful phrase. It does make people think. Yeah, it does. It's an interesting question. But um, it's really important for us, Mel, to understand our potential. And this is why I love about coaching. And this is what I mean about the self-care and the self-love. When you understand your potential, nobody could judge you. You don't give people that power to judge you or limit you or tell you what you can do or can't do. So for me, it's just that level of uh, confidence and awareness. And this is why as leaders also, there's a lot of work to be done on yourself because you have to be confident to lead others. So this is just where I am, Mel. This is, this is, this is me. <laughs> this is me. This is me. As the song goes, this is me. And it's totally fantastic. And it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you. So if people want to, to know more, to connect with you in terms of your role at, at UAL or, or to find out more about portal coaching, how can they do that? Well, you just look me on Portal Coaching Limited. I am on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Or I also have a, a website. So if you just type in Portal Coaching Limited, I'll come up there. But I do do my daily words of wisdom. So I get up every morning and something comes to mind and I, and I write and I post these on Facebook and Instagram. So if you ever wanted a bit of inspiration, they, they're very thought-provoking. <laughs> they're not... They're not all sort of nicey, softy, feely sorts of um, words of wisdom. They, they make you think hard about what you're doing with your life. Um, and I've gotten really good feedback from it. So, and I also do short videos. I need to start back, but I, I normally post videos, but it's all on Instagram and, and Facebook. And I'm also on, on LinkedIn. I have to say, I don't populate LinkedIn as much as I, I should do, but I'm, I'm there. So if anybody wanted to reach out. And I can recommend the videos and the words of wisdom. Thank you. Which is, is great because it just leads me to say a massive, massive thank you for sharing your thoughts around health, safety, compliance, coaching, leadership. It's, it's been thoroughly wonderful listening to you. What final words of wisdom? I suspect you might quite like this bit. <laughs> what final words of wisdom would you like to leave people with today? Be authentic. Be true to yourself. Now, that sounds a bit cliche, but that is so important because it shows that you, you're comfortable in your skin. And if you're comfortable in your skin, people have no choice 
but to be comfortable with you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't.